Hi, everybody. It's time to stop passing the peace. <laughs> no more peace. <laughs> My name is Andrea, like Devin said. And he and his wife got to go on their long-delayed 10-year wedding anniversary recently. Congratulations. A lot of people don't make it that far. So he was out of town and asked if I would put together something to share with you guys today. Oh, yeah, I just celebrated my tenure, too. <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so thank you, Devin, for inviting me to share with you guys. I'm going to talk about recovering from fundamentalism with a spotlight on sexism because I was raised evangelical, bordering on fundamentalist. And I was talking to Kylie recently, actually. We were talking about job hunting because I'm, I've been job hunting for a little while. And she mentioned that it's hard, and I think it's because of the way we were raised, it's hard for us to self-promote. And I started thinking about other ways I was raised that have made life a little bit challenging. So, for example, go the extra mile, give the stranger your coat, turn the other cheek, forgive 70 times seven. These were all good things we were taught except for me that became poor boundaries. <laughs> and it became, I became a mark for hustlers. I was taken advantage of several times um, by people who saw my wholesome face. <laughs> the second part there, the don't publicize your giving, the Father, who sees in secret, Father in Heaven sees in secret will reward you. That makes it hard for us to self-promote. Don't toot your own horn. I ended up with fake happiness. They'll know we're Christians by our love. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. You probably sang that in vacation Bible school if you're a certain age, or taught it if you're a different age. Um, women weren't allowed to teach or have authority over men. This kept me from developing maybe certain talents or passions that I had. Thank you, Devin, for healing that in part by inviting me to preach. I'm gonna call this preaching. I'm preaching in church. <laughs> we were supposed to have a servant's heart. Again, led me to poor boundaries. And then women, men are fill in whatever stereotype hurt you. Women are over-emotional. Women are illogical. Women talk too much. All these things. So it kept me down, kept me in my place, kept me from becoming who I could become. So it's been decades of realizing this and a healing journey, and that's what I want to talk about mostly today, is the healing journey. So the first thing you have to consider is the context in which you heard all those things. This is my dad. I love him so much. He passed away about 10 years ago. You don't have to look at pictures of him because I'm the one who's preaching. I get to put this up and make you look at pictures of him. <laughs> so when we think about context, you think about the Bible. The Bible says it was inspired by God. So God, if a God's ever put something on your heart, I think that's what it means. God's put things on my heart, and I couldn't get them out of my mind and my heart until I, okay, okay, I'll do this thing. But they were inspired, and so then they passed on what they felt they heard from God using language embedded in the culture that they were in. So we've got ancient languages and ancient cultures on top of this whatever God, they felt God was saying to them. And then on top of that, we've got translation into English by, usually, European males. So that's another layer on top of what God had in mind. Then on top of that is your life and where you came from that you bring to those words with your interpretation. 
or a preacher brought their life and their interpretation to you, and you heard that, and then layered your own life on top of that too. So we've got layers on layers on layers on layers on layers between what God had in mind and what we think we're hearing. And getting back to what love had in mind requires some excavating often of yourself and of the person who preached to you, which was my dad in my case. He was my preacher. He was a pastor. And of all the different things between translations and original languages and cultures and all those things. So I want you to think about who preached to you. My dad was smart. He was loving. He was genuine. He was passionate. He wasn't afraid to ask hard questions. And he was tortured all his life with mental health issues. He was suicidally depressed my whole life, his whole life. And that's what took him in the end. He also had ADD, deep self-loathing. So it was those through that lens that he was preaching to me and that I heard those things. And then think about who you are and what your context is. Myself, I adored this person and wanted to please him. I'm also neurodivergent. So I took everything very literally. So that's my context I had to excavate and then his that I had to excavate. And then also, of course, he was a white, he's white, he was male, and he was from a specific cultural moment in American history. So that was part of the lens he was preaching through, too. Those aren't bad things, that was just his point of view. And I have to understand all that. So you've all seen this, where you see either the old, old lady, the crone, which I think is a good term, I love that term, or the young lady. So if, you have, if you're one of those people who hasn't seen this, the young lady's chin is the old lady's nose. You can see right there. And then, of course, this one's obvious. Is it a six or is it a nine? <laughs> Whoop. So you have, to think about, you have to think about context when you're thinking about the correct way to fix those things where you were maybe hurt by what you thought you saw in the Bible. Modern psychology has really helped me as well, something called dialectical behavior therapy, where it's not an either or, it's not black and white, it's a both and. And we're gonna talk about that more in the Amongst Yourselves talk after this that Devin put together. And then I love this little girl on the teeter-totter here, or on her balance toy, because you know, what I've discovered as a, as a kind of a black and white thinker to start out with is that the truth lies in the muddled middle, and that's where peace and health lie too. And you're too far to either side, and you're slipping into fundamentalism or some other extreme way of looking at things that's not healthy, that, that doesn't represent love, but it's in the, in the middle, in the balance, where love is found. We're going to look at this slide more afterwards, but this is another example of both and. You are resilient and you need a break. So the, those two things there. So having all this head knowledge, like I under, okay, I can see what was happening with my dad, with the Bible, with the context, with everything. I know what's a healthy way of thinking and being in the world. But for me, I kept asking, how do I do this? How do I do this? I couldn't implement it. That was really hard for me. And just recently, this summer, I found this book called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by Dr. Caroline Leaf. And she very scientifically did this whole program with people where she helped them remake the path, like negative pathways in their brains. Because every time you think of a thought and you focus on that thought and you keep reinforcing it in your head, it's like it creates a, a super freeway in your brain. And if that's a negative thought about yourself, about the people who love you, that's kind of where your mind is always going to go. And so her 
program that, I, that she has, it's actually an app. And so that little logo on the right there is her app if you want it. I don't, obviously I don't get money from her or something. She doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> um, but it's been really helpful. I've been doing this app and you just pick one negative thought and you work it through for 63 days because she said that's actually how long it takes to change your mind. And so that you can then have a super freeway that's this positive, encouraging thought. And that can affect, it affects just not your mental and spiritual health, but your physical health too. A constant negative mindset can actually make you physically sick. So if you're someone like me who needs someone to hold your hand to implement all this great new stuff you've learned, that app helped me, has helped me so much. I've also found just little things, like I have this stuck on my computer because these are all the things on the left that I did with what I thought were the messages I was getting from the Bible. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Stop saying you're sorry and start saying thank you. And I'll just, the first one, wow, I, I really needed to talk. Thanks for listening. And I started practicing these instead. I have them on my computer to remind me every day to practice these. And then this positive reframe, I'm not going to stay here very long, but there's just this whole list. You probably can't read them from there, so I'll just read you a couple. But like, what if you, you grew up and someone said, oh, you were bossy, you were goofy, you were spoiled, you were all these things. And you can look up these lists of things where you can reframe whatever insults you got because there's always two sides to a coin. So if you've got a little girl and someone keeps calling them bossy, then what you do is you put them in leadership classes so they learn how to be a fantastic leader because that's the good way you can use the ability to see what needs to be done and start telling people to do it, you know? Or whatever else you were called. If you were called stubborn, the positive reframe of that is you're determined, you're persistent, you're a good negotiator, you're a visionary. So whatever, whatever way somebody insulted you consistently in your life, look up the way that you can heal that by reframing it. I put this up here because one of the most important things I've had to learn about healing those negative messages is healthy boundaries. So the first thing about healthy boundaries is to remind yourself that you're not alone. And it's not all up to you. God has a Peace Corps of billions, and all you have to do is your part. And if a billion people each throw a tiny pebble into a pond, the ripples all ripple out to each other, and pretty soon you ripple that whole pond, right? So you're not alone. You don't have to do it all by yourself. God already saved the world. You don't have to. This book was amazing for me. I read this a few years ago, where she was a person who, again, was trying to do everything. She was working full time. She, was, she had some little kids, all these things, and she couldn't do it. She was getting really sick. She was miserable. And she lays out this entire program in her book, how she found to find the things that really matter to her and do those things. And we're least effective when we try to we're least effective when we try to do everything. We're most effective when we focus. And then I just love this. Not my circus, not my monkeys, because it reminds me personally. Um, hi, I'm Andrea. I'm an overhelper. That I don't have to, 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 to notice if I'm trying to help somebody who doesn't actually want or need my help. If you're not an overhelper, ignore that one. And then as I was, you know, putting together what I wanted to say to you guys. I actually found this book. I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. And this guy works with pastors and missionaries and all kinds of people who just spend and wear themselves out helping other people. 
And he teaches them how to have healthy boundaries in their ministry. And he found all these, a lo- all these things I have here had verses that go with them. And I didn't have space to fit them all on and make a font big enough for everyone to read. But you can just see that for me as someone who, who loves the Bible and wants to find healing in that place, same place that I found accidentally found um, hurt, this was really healing for me just to see this and to see all these examples he lists of ways that people, uh, that Jesus had healthy boundaries and still loved everybody that was in his area, and in, our, in, in his case, the whole world. <laughs> and then um, my husband, Baron, who has helped me so much with learning what learning what only the things that I'm responsible for that I don't have to try to do everything shared this with me when we first got married and this person Isabella Fivey Mayo as many women have in history went by a male pen name so that her writings would receive public awareness she was Scottish and she lived in Aberdeen was there pretty much her whole life I think the most power, public power she ever had was she was a councilwoman in her local council. But she wrote this, and I'm just going to read it to you guys. She says, Few are needed to do the out-of-the-way tasks which startle the world, and one may be most useful just doing commonplace duties and leaving the issue with God. And when it is all over and our feet will run no more and our hands are helpless and we have scarcely strength to murmur a last prayer, Then we shall see that instead of needing a larger field, we have left until many corners of our single acre, and that none of it is fit for our master's eye were it not for the softening shadow of the cross. So she, again, is speaking from her particular place in history, but I I needed to hear that as an overhelper, that my single acre is enough, and it's everything. So we can turn off the slides now. The last thing I want to talk to you guys about is if overhelping and firm boundaries are not your problem, how can you help heal other people who were hurt by fundamentalism, sexism? But also I want to say that even if you were hurt by those things, and I think all of us were probably if we had any connection with the church at all, everyone has power. Even if you've been a horrible, horribly abused victim, you have some power. I was thinking of the story of uh, Terry Waite, who was a hostage negotiator in the 1980s, and he went to hostage negotiate, and he was captured himself, and he was in solitary confinement for four years. I think all he had was food and drink, and he never knew if he would ever be free. And he thought to himself, what do I have power over? All I have power over right now is my mind. And so in his mind, he wrote a book. And when he was released, he published the book. And I've got lots of stories like that. Nelson Mandela, you think of him too. I met, uh, met or online met a woman who was a prisoner of war in Japan as a child in the 1940s. And she got out of that and became like an outspoken advocate for women's rights in the 60s and 70s. So they were in a terrible place where it seemed like you have no power at all and they found the little bit of power they could have. So what we can do to help 
heal the world from the poison of fundamentalist sexism or, and or racism, this applies to thee too, is you can make way for other voices. Devin lets other people preach. He lets other voices speak. Um, you can believe other people's stories. Think about anything that's unique to your life that people are always pointing out. Like if you're tall, they're always like, oh, how's the weather? You know what I mean? Like, it's annoying, right? But you have to believe tall people that they hear this all the time. So the same thing with someone who's black or someone who's differently abled or whatever. Believe them when they tell you, this stuff is happening in my life. You can do bystander support. Again, my husband, I love so much, I told him I was gonna keep embarrassing him today. When he realized that when women speak in meetings, often people just kind of ignore what they have to say. When a woman speaks in meetings he's in and he sees that happening, he says, as Joan said, which was brilliant, and I think we should do that thing, Joan, why don't you mention that again? You know, bystander support. Do your research. Go read articles about how to dismantle the patriarchy, how to dismantle racism. Be humble. I read about a guy recently whose marriage was falling to pieces and he thought they were going to have a divorce. They were fighting all the time. And he was on a business trip. He ended up crying on the floor of his shower. God, what can I do? And he just got this idea and he went home and he, the next morning he rolled over and said to his wife, how can I make your life better today? And she looked at him very suspiciously. <laughs> Which, really? So she said, go clean the kitchen, you know. And then the next day he does it again and she's like, go clean the garage. <laughs> and he does this day after day and about a week and a half in, he rolls over and says, how can I make your life better today? And she starts crying. She says, you know, it's not just you, it's me. And from that, they were able to work and heal their marriage. It took a lot of work, they still fought, but they've been married 35 years now and he says she's his, his best friend, you know? So it's, be humble, I guess, if you wanna help heal these things. And then give yourself grace. You're gonna hurt people. You can't do anything perfectly. And also, you're not so powerful that God can't take your mistakes and change the pattern and weave them into something beautiful. Think about Bob Ross and his happy little trees or turn your mistake into a bird, you know? You do your best and you trust God for the rest. Trying to do everything perfectly leads to legalism and rigidity and it creates stress and fear for others. I tried to be a perfect parent, and it really stressed out my children. Who am I grateful they're here today? They were at a concert late last night, so that's the way they showed love to me is by dragging themselves out of bed and coming anyway, even though they were tired. And so then I ask for your grace for me, because um, preachers, and I forgot to say this part, so I'm just going to go back a little bit for context. Preachers preach what they need to hear. So I do all these things badly that I've learned. I'm hoping I just keep getting better and better as I, as I grow. But I thought my dad was a big hypocrite. I didn't realize that he was preaching his idealism. The other thing is preachers preach to the topics of their times. They preach against as much as for, and they're often radical for their time. People who end up as preachers, at least in my observation, are people who are willing to speak truth to power. And it's, but it's for their time, right? So a preacher 200 years ago wouldn't be preaching about gender equality. They may have been preaching against slavery, you know? So you think about that with context as well. So um, I wore the shirt today. All you need is love. These equations were helpful to me when I was helping my kids with algebra. And my love earrings. 
because Devin has something to pass out to you guys so that when we look at the Bible and the ways that it's hurt us, we can reframe based through a lens of love. So thank you, everybody. Yes.